I'm Timothy Putnam, and I'll be your host for the next hour. Each week we gather right here to explore the foundations of our faith, to look at the implications of our faith on our daily lives, so that together we can prepare to live outside the walls. Well, today is a big implication show. We're going to talk all about the implications of our faith. A lot of times we spend uh, quite a bit of time in the in the theoretical world, where we're talking about uh, our faith and maybe how it impacts our thought. But today we're going to talk a little bit about how our faith impacts our actions. Here we are, we're at the very beginning of uh, November, the very beginning of National Adoption Month. And of course, Scripture talks about God caring for the fatherless, and He calls us to care for the widows and the orphans. And so we're going to talk today uh, with a couple of different people. It's it's really a, quite an exciting show. Adoption is a topic that I'm very passionate about because adoption's already made a very profound impact in my life. So we're going to talk with two different sets of folks. Uh, first, we're going to talk with a, a young woman who was adopted, and she's going to talk to us about what adoption meant to her as someone receiving adoption. And her story is very important to me because this young woman is my biological daughter who I put up for adoption uh, 21 years ago. Uh, And that's just, we have a wonderful relationship. uh, And I'm pleased to be able to bring her on the show today to have this conversation with us. When we're done with that part of the show, we're going to run over and talk with uh, some folks from Catholic Charities in the Diocese of Fort Worth that run an international foster care program. They're going to talk to us about their program and how Catholic Charities, both here in Fort Worth, but really every Catholic Charities, has some kind of a program, wherever, whatever diocese it's in, that assists people in caring for widows and orphans, whether it be through foster care like this program or through adoption or whatever the case may be. And so they're going to come and talk to us about what it means, what it takes to be an adoptive parent, to be a foster parent, and how Catholic Charities, specifically in their case here in the Diocese of Fort Worth, assists with that process. So lots to talk about, uh, and I'm really looking forward to it. hope you're able to listen to the whole show. If you are not able, if for some reason you've got to get out of the car before the show's over, have no fear. We've got all of our episodes are archived over at OutsideTheWalls.com. This is going to be one that you're going to want to listen to all the way through. Uh, So make sure that you stick around. Now, as always, before we get to all of the other things, before we get to the implications, we're going to open our time together in prayer. Then we're going to spend some time reading the scriptures of the day and something from church history. So let's begin. Everyone who waits for the Lord finds joy. Now we pray to him. Look on us with favor, Lord, and hear us. Faithful witness, firstborn of the dead, you washed away our sins in your blood. Make us always remember your wonderful works. You called men to be heralds of your good news. Make them strong and faithful messengers of your kingdom. King of peace, send your spirit on the leaders of the world. Turn their eyes toward the poor and the suffering. Protect and defend those who are discriminated against because of race, color, class, language, or religion, that they may be accorded the rights and dignity which are theirs. May all who died in your love share in your happiness with Mary, our mother, and all your holy ones. 
Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. God, our Father, fountain and source of our salvation, may we proclaim your glory every day of our lives, that we may sing your praise forever in heaven. We ask this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Today's first reading comes from the book of Romans, chapter 16. Brothers and sisters, greet Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their necks for my life, to whom not only I am grateful, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Greet also the church at their house. Greet my beloved Epinetus, who was the firstfruits in Asia for Christ. Greet Mary, who has worked hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my relatives and my fellow prisoners. They are prominent among the apostles. And they were in Christ before me. Greet Ampliatus, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, my co-worker in Christ. And my beloved Stachius. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. I, Tertius, the writer of this letter, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, who is host to me, and the whole church greets you. Erastus, the city treasurer, and our brother Quartus greet you. Now to him who can strengthen you, according to my gospel and the proclamation of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret for long ages, but now manifested through the prophetic writings and according to the command of the eternal God, made known to all nations to bring about the obedience of faith. To the only wise God, through Jesus Christ, be glory forever and ever. Amen. That reading again comes from the book of Romans, chapter 16. Our responsorial psalm today comes from Psalm 145. I will praise your name forever, Lord. Every day will I bless you, and I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and highly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. I will praise your name forever, Lord. Generation after generation praises your works and proclaims your might. They speak of the splendor of your glorious majesty and tell of your wondrous works. I will praise your name forever, Lord. Let all your works give you thanks, O Lord. Let your faithful ones bless you. Let them discourse of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might. I will praise your name forever, Lord. Today's gospel comes from the gospel of Luke, chapter 16. Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you, make friends for yourself with dishonest wealth, so that when it fails, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. The person who is trustworthy in very small matters is also trustworthy in great ones. And the person who is dishonest in very small matters is also dishonest in great ones. If, therefore, you are not trustworthy with dishonest wealth, who will trust you with true wealth? If you are not trustworthy with what belongs to another, Who will give you what is yours? No servant can serve two masters. He will either hate one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. 
You cannot serve God and mammon. The Pharisees who loved money heard all these things and sneered at him. And he said to them, You justify yourselves in the sight of others, but God knows your hearts. For what is of human esteem is an abomination in the sight of God. That reading comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 16. Today's reading from church history comes from Irenaeus against heresies. Jesus Christ was not a mere man begotten from Joseph in the ordinary course of nature, but was very God, begotten of the Father Most High, and very man born of the Virgin. But again, those who assert that he was simply a mere man begotten by Joseph, remaining in the bondage of the old disobedience, are in a state of death. Having been not as yet joined to the word of God the Father, nor receiving liberty through the Son, as he does himself declare, If the Son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. But being ignorant of him, who from the Virgin is Emmanuel, they are deprived of his gift, which is eternal life. And not receiving the incorruptible word, they remain in mortal flesh and are debtors to death, not obtaining the antidote of life. To whom the word says, mentioning his own gift of peace, I said, You are the sons of the highest and God's, but you shall die like men. He speaks undoubtedly these words to those who have not received the gift of adoption, but who despise the incarnation of the pure generation of the word of God, defraud human nature of the promotion into God, and prove themselves ungrateful to the word of God, who became flesh for them. For it was for this end that the word of God was made man, And he who was the Son of God became the Son of Man, that man, having been taken into the Word and receiving the adoption, might become the Son of God. For by no other means could we have attained to incorruptibility and immortality unless we had been united to incorruptibility and to immortality. But how could we be joined to incorruptibility and immortality unless first incorruptibility and immortality had become that which we also are, so that the corruptible might be swallowed up by incorruptibility and the mortal by immortality, that we might receive the adoption of sons. For this reason, it is said, who shall declare his generation, since he is a man, and who shall recognize him? But he to whom the Father, which is in heaven, has revealed to him, knows him, so that he understands that he who was not born either by the will of the flesh or by the will of man is the Son of Man. This is Christ, the Son of the living God. For I have shown from the Scriptures that no one of the sons of Adam is as to everything and absolutely called God or named Lord, but that he is himself in his own right beyond all men who ever lived, God and Lord and King Eternal, and the incarnate word proclaimed by all the prophets, the apostles, and by the Spirit himself may be seen by all who have attained to even a small portion of the truth. Now the scriptures would not have testified these things of him if, like others, he had been a mere man, but that he had beyond all others in himself that preeminent birth which is from the Most High Father, and also experienced that preeminent generation which is from the Virgin, The divine scriptures do in both respects testify of him, also that he was a man without comeliness and liable to suffering. 
that he sat upon the foal of an ass, and he received for drink vinegar and gall, that he was despised among the people, and humbled himself even to death, and that he is the Holy Lord, the Wonderful and the Counselor, the Beautiful in appearance and the Mighty God, coming on the clouds as the judge of all men. All these things did the Scriptures prophesy of him. That reading from church history comes from Against Heresies by Irenaeus. And I wanted to talk about that today because today, of course, we're talking on the, on the show about National Adoption Month. We're going to be talking with my biological daughter who turned 21 this week. Uh, that's enough of a shock for myself. Uh, but we're also going to be talking with Catholic Charities here in their role in facilitating foster care and adoptions. And I just wanted to remind you that even our Lord Jesus Christ experienced adoption. He had a foster father in Joseph who raised him and and gave him shelter and provided for his needs. And so Christ understands the plight of the adopted. He understands the plight of the fatherless. Even though he, of course, had two fathers, he had the father in heaven and he had his foster father, Joseph, he knows what it's like to be in need. And so as he reminds us in the book of Matthew chapter 25, whatever we do to the least of these, we've done to him. And I think a great portion of that is because he made himself the lowest of the low, born in a stable, son of a carpenter. He made himself the lowest so that he could identify with humanity in its lowest points. And he calls all of us who declare him Lord, he calls all of us to care for the poor, to care for the widow, to care for the orphan, which we're going to be talking about specifically today as the show goes on. Don't touch that dial. You're not going to want to miss a moment of this show. It's a humdinger this week. We're talking about adoption, National Adoption Month, and much more. Some great interviews coming up right after this break. Join the conversation over on Facebook.com slash Step Outside the Walls. On Twitter, the handle's at Outside the Walls. Let me know what you think. I'm dying to know. We'll be right back after this break. You're listening to Outside the Walls. Welcome back to Outside the Walls. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. Thanks for sticking through the break. It's National Adoption Month. Here we are in November. Uh, And so we're going to talk today about adoption. And our guest today uh, is uh, someone who's particularly close to me, uh, who has experienced uh, adoption firsthand. Now, this works out really well because National Adoption Month starts right about the same time as her birthday, and so she gets to celebrate doubly uh, every year. And so, Courtney, thank you for being on the show today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. So, Courtney, your story is one of particular interest to me. Uh, You were adopted uh, at at birth and lived Mm -hmm. your whole life in an adoptive family. You have uh, a mom and a dad and two siblings. Uh, who were also adopted, and you had an open adoption, which meant that you were aware of uh, your biological families as well. 
And your stories of uh, one I've followed for some time, uh, particularly because uh, you are my biological child. Uh huh. So, uh, to me, this is of specific interest. It's one of the reasons that National Adoption Month is as important to me as it is. It's one of the reasons that my pro-life stance is the way that it is. When I look at uh, at issues of abortion or other things, uh, I don't see the the inconvenience. I don't see the the fear or of the pregnancy or the unplanned. What I see is uh, the pictures of you growing up. Uh, and the, the picture of you in the little angel wings when you were quite no. young. Oh, yes. If I can find that, I'll put it oh. up on social media for the world to not. see. Oh, um, <laughs> but to me, it's a very personal thing because I, I don't see uh, what other people see. I see it from the other side. I see the results of having been in a relationship with you, of being able to, to visit with you uh, as time allowed, as location allowed. Uh, being kept up to date on your dance recitals and every other uh, every other little thing that went on and getting pictures every year. And so to me, when I think of an unplanned pregnancy, when I think of uh, uh, of two teenagers that that maybe don't make the wisest decisions, what I think of is the joy that I've had watching you grow up. Uh, and so, now, that's my perspective. That's on my side of things. And so what I want to do today is for all of those who are here listening to us and listening to our conversation, what has adoption meant to you? Now, of course, it's hard for, for me to understand your perspective because I've never been there. And it's hard for you maybe to get outside of your perspective because it's been your reality for the whole of your life. Yeah. So maybe we'll share a little bit about our perspectives of certain specific events but let's start off. Just talk to me about your family and um, it, it, your mom and your dad and your siblings and what that unit was like uh, being bound together by choice, being bound together through um, through your parents' choice and not so much through biology. Talk about family. Well, as you know, I've got two amazing siblings that I prayed for as soon as I well, I guess as soon as I decided I needed siblings <laughs> and knew what a playmate was that lived with me. Right. But my parents actually were married for 10 years before I was born. Mm -hmm. And they went through so much to try to have kids before I was even thought of. Mm -hmm. And my middle name actually means, you know, God's answer to prayer right. in Hebrew. And so for them... Being me being put up for adoption was an answer to prayer. Me being, I guess, a product of an unplanned pregnancy was something that helped them out. Right. And so that's that's why I have my pro life stance is because there are people out there that work towards having a child and are not able to quite often, yeah. actually. Yeah. Um. Like I said, I prayed for both of my siblings. Uh, Cameron is four years younger than me and Colton four uh, years younger than she is. And it was just, you know, I didn't ever have to go through like my parents getting pregnant. Cameron, we found out about like a week before she was born. Right. And so it was just like, oh, Courtney, you're going to have a little sister. And a week later, there she is. And there she is. <laughs> there she is. We don't even like my parents named her 
like that. My dad found Cameron Diaz on a magazine and there <laughs> so that's her name. I wanted to name her Ariel because yeah. I've always been Disney obsessed. Right, right. They didn't take my advice on that. The nurses tried, but that was, <laughs> I didn't win. Three and a half years old, I had no choice. But, but so that didn't I, give you a lot of time to to adjust to the idea. Here it is, and you have family. Uh, you know, one week later, here's new family members. And, you know, I've watched that play out in your life in the way that you uh, express hospitality to others, right? Someone you comes into the group and all of a sudden you adopt them, right? You, Absolutely. You bring them in and make them family without really a whole lot of uh, of process or rigmarole. It's like, oh, yeah, I'll take you. You're family. Yeah, pretty much, um, which has helped me in a lot of situations, especially like within churches. I've mm-hmm. coming into college, it was like, oh, I can get in with this group really quickly. I can make friends three weeks in and I'm already in the praise band. Right. Right. So for me, people think that my situation is very different and I'm over here like that's my normal. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm used to. And that's how it's helped me progress in my life. One of the stories that I recall uh, that that brings that kind of delight was uh, very early on when you were a camper at a camp that, uh, that I was working at and here you were, uh, I was just thrilled to be able to see you and you walked into your cabin and you're like, Oh yeah, he's my birth dad. And we're like, Oh, Oh my goodness. How, how is she going to handle this? And, and then you just kind of explained it in two sentences like, Oh, well, you know, um, you know, I was adopted and he's my birth dad and that's it. And everyone else is like, Oh, okay. And you it's just normal. And all, yeah. of, all of us adults are like, oh, my goodness, this is abnormal. How is this going to how is this going to work out? And you handled it and everyone else handled it just beautifully. Uh, and I mean, it's just an, an interesting picture of uh, what our expectations are and how our expectations are shaped by how we're raised. I had no idea that there was any stigma mm-hmm. about it, like until actually pretty recently. Really? Like, yeah. No, seriously. <laughs> 21 years old, and I'm just like, oh, you know, there's actually something else about this. Because for me, it's just like, oh, that's just another title for somebody that I love. That's right. somebody who loves me and is in my life. Mm-hmm. It's not anything that's just like, oh, that needs to not be addressed. Right. Now, let's talk a little bit, because recently uh, you've spent some time doing some study on Romans 8, where Paul uses the language of adoption uh, mm-hmm. and so you've written a couple of blogs on this. I'm, I'm interested in, in you sharing that perspective with us here today. Uh, talk to us about how your adoption into an earthly family has maybe enlightened you as you've looked at what it means to be adopted into the family of God. Well, in Romans eight, it talks about how God decides that we are adopted into his family and that we eagerly wait that adoption. Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't have to deal with the waiting part, but if you watch Disney movies such as The Rescuers, there's <laughs> this one this one child known as Penny who is maybe five or six years old and has not had a family. And she like waits and waits and prays for a family to come and take her. Yeah. And so I kind of can see myself through that. But I also know that adoption just means you're mel- molding yourself into a family. And where it becomes natural and it's just, that is your family. There's no 
discrepancies. You're a part of that. And it's just God saying, I want you. Mm-hmm. I don't have to have you. I want you. And that is what I think is probably the most amazing thing ever. Because we cry to him, Abba, Father. He's our daddy. And it's not like, oh, I'm your father. You do as I say. No, it's I'm your father and I love you and right. I choose you. And I think there, there's also a sense in that perhaps that uh, that we may miss. You know, we think of being brought into another situation and and making that our identity uh, in a sense of maybe like a membership, right? Well, I now I choose to associate and identify with this group, whereas an adoption, uh, when we're adopted into something, it really does become central and core to our identity. I mean, absolutely. there's a lot of things that I see in you that I can recognize spiritually and biologically come from me and my family. But then there's also a lot of things that I see in you that are very much a part of you being brought in and, and accepted and drawn into this other family. Uh, and so there's so much that goes both ways. You, you maintain uh, some of what you were given by birth, but you also mm-hmm. have this, this almost broader perspective than maybe the rest of us do from being in this other family, just exceptionally hospitable, exceptionally uh, welcoming and uh, something that I quite admire. <laughs> Cause to me, there's nothing different. It's not like I strive to be that. It's just part of who I am, I guess. Mm-hmm. So what would you say to someone uh, who may be considering the possibility of adopting? Uh, whether it be uh, through a foster care, like we're going to be talking with uh, Catholic Charities later today about their international foster care program. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot of uh, red tape to go through. There's a lot of bureaucracy uh, when approaching an adoption. Uh, and I think that without having just a, a really clear picture of the joy of adoption, uh, that might scare some folks off, just all the red tape. What would you just say to someone who's considering adoption? I would say that it definitely changes a child's life. Um, You get to bring somebody in who might not have another choice. Mm -hmm. And we need you. Um, The red tape should be nothing to be worried about because if you are willing to be there for a child and raise them, especially in a Christian home, everything is worth it Mm -hmm. because we will respond to our raising. Yeah. And we will love you all the more for it. Absolutely. Well, Courtney, thank you for being on the show today. Uh, We might spend a little bit more time in an internet exclusive with you uh, to hear just a little bit more of maybe your favorite story uh, from your childhood. We're talking with Courtney, uh, someone who's near and dear to my heart here at National Adoption Month on Outside the Walls. Stick around. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls. I'm Timothy Putnam, your host. Thanks for sticking through the break here on this first week of November, National Adoption Month. Got a great show for you today. If you've missed any part of this show, you're going to want to listen in. Luckily, all the archives are available over at OutsideTheWalls.com. Share it with your friends, share it with your neighbors. They just may need to hear it. Well, if you missed the last segment, it was a doozy. We talked with uh, my biological daughter, which is quite a story in and of itself, but we didn't get into that very much. We talked about what adoption meant to her on the receiving end of it, since this is National Adoption Month, and we want to highlight uh, what a loving parent can do for a child, specifically uh, a parent of faith. So now we're talking with uh, three people, although we'll probably hear more from one. We're talking with Caitlin, another Caitlin, although spelled differently, and Monique from Catholic Charities in Fort Worth. They are all connected uh, in some way or another with the international foster care program that they have there. Ladies, thank you for joining us today. Absolutely. Thanks for having us. So, Caitlin, with a C, you're the the um, the training and compliance specialist for the International Foster Care Program. That's an awfully big title. Uh, now, who, whose compliance do you ensure? Great question. So, my job is to help all of our staff and foster families um, meet the rules for foster care in Texas. We want to make it as easy as possible for our families to focus on the kids and their care. Um, loving them, taking care of them. And so my job is to take care of all the background paperwork stuff so they can focus on, on what really matters, which is these kids. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I hear from people who maybe hear about foster care, whether it be domestic foster care, which is already maybe a little bit nerve wracking enough, much less international foster care where you're dealing with different cultures and then all the extra paperwork of of cross-cultural boundaries and so forth. One of the things that I hear is that I can never do something like that because, and they've got all kinds of excuses, it costs too much or there's too much paperwork, or I, my fam- if you knew me, you wouldn't ask because I'd never pass the, the home study. Uh, what are some of the things that you all do there at Catholic Charities here in Fort Worth to help parents meet those requirements and to walk through the process with them? Just kind of assume that I am now uh, an interested parent and walk me through the steps of how I would go from approaching you for the first time to taking a child into my home to care for them. Absolutely. And so we, we completely understand that fostering um, is, a, is a huge step, a huge step of faith for a lot of families, but it can be scary. There's a lot of unknowns, and we want to reduce any stress and fear associated with that as much as possible. So from day one, um, all of our families are assigned to our recruiter, um, and here with me, and she walks with all of our families through the licensure process. Um, in the beginning, is making sure they have all the information that they need. Um, our families encourage them to call us at any time that they have a question about the process, a question about our kids. And so from the very beginning, we want to be available by phone, by email, as much as possible. Um, and then beyond that, once they are licensed, we have an on-call system where families can call at any point, day or night, um, with any questions, um, ask for support, um, how to handle different situations. We are there. We want to walk beside them through this. Um, and so beyond that, in the beginning, they work with Monique, who 
walk system, and then we have a lot of training they go through, and that's just to make sure they're as prepared as possible. We think having as much information can be really helpful because if it's a new thing families are going through, and like you said, there are cultural differences, um, different issues with child development, and we want to make sure that families are as prepared as possible before the child comes into their home. And so this training allows them to ask questions, to learn about our kids, um, learn about how to parent a child who's gone through trauma. Mm-hmm. And so we want to give them as much information as possible while also being available to answer any questions that come up along the way. Um, after their team, uh, they, uh, they go through the home study, like you kind of talked about earlier. Um, and with that, we still have essentially a case manager assigned to the family where we're there to walk with them through the home study process. Um, and with the home study, we are looking for um, any family who loves these kids. Um, we do not expect perfection. One of the things I tell families all the time is that there is no perfect parent. Um, we want to see your strengths and areas that we can all grow together. Um, and to me personally, one of the biggest things I want in a foster family is someone who knows how to heal. So maybe their yeah. life wasn't perfect went through hard things, that they've come out of it. Um, but our kids need that. Our kids have gone through really hard things. And I love it when our families can help our kids heal um, as part of just how they love them and care for them. So I um, I do not want perfect families. They don't exist, which is good. Um, I want families who are real um, and who, who know what it's like to, to recover um, and to find hope at the end. That's what we want to give to our kids. So we're not looking for perfect and we're there to, to help answer any questions along the way. Let's talk about um, that. And, Let's talk about that training that you mentioned earlier. What is what's the length of that training? What's the time commitment? And, and how long do they they participate in that? Uh, and what does that kind of look like for them? Great question. So uh, we have several classes that they go through. It ends up being about um, a 30, 40 hour commitment, which seems like a lot, but we do spread it out. Um, and we generally want to teach about trauma-informed care and what we call trauma-informed parenting, um, how to parent a child who has gone through trauma. And we want our parents to have tangible tools in their back pocket. That's why I tell my families I want them to leave our trainings with specific tools that they can whip out and have at their ready in case they um, run into anything and need assistance. We want to be very tangible, very applicable, um, and self-exploratory as well. So we our families to explore kind of what they're feeling in the um, different things that they uh, might think of that they run into. Um, so it's very discussion-based. Yeah, that's usually small groups, so there's good room for a lot of discussion and questions. Great. Okay, so now you, you've mentioned several times children, not only who are international, but children who are coming through trauma. Talk to us a little bit about the kids that you have and that you place. Great question. So here at Catholic Charities Fort Worth in the IFC International Foster Care Program, we work with um, refugee youth um, primarily. We have some other youth who um, have different statuses, but primarily just refugee children uh, from all over the world, from um, Africa, the Middle East, um, Asia, Central South America. And so they're all foreign-born children. Um, and so these children uh, are escaping things like war, genocide, um, just different different rebel groups, different persecution for their beliefs. Um, and so they all have the refugee status, which is um, hard to get. Essentially, they have to prove that it's not safe for them to go home. 
And for our kids, they've been separated from their parents. And so there are refugee camps around the world in these countries where um, there's conflict and war. And so our kids um, are there and we're able to um, help take care of and provide them parents that all children need. Now, you mentioned they're separated from their parents. I know that the standard for what it means to be an orphan varies from place to place. Uh, are these par- are these children who no longer have any parents, or are they merely separated from them? Great question. And we have a little bit of both. Some of our kids, uh, we know that maybe their parents are deceased, but legally it may be hard to prove that. It's based on the conditions of the countries they're fleeing from. Um, other children, we've had child soldiers in our program where the children were at risk. Um, for being kidnapped by the army, but the parents weren't. So some of our kids have parents who are alive um, overseas, but the children um, are in danger of returning home. And so it's not safe for the children to be home, but we believe that all children need the care of parents, and so we want to be able to provide that for them in a safe place. Now, one of the things that that's very evident, you, you mentioned it in our earlier conversations off air, is that this is specifically a foster program, which may be long-term foster or short-term foster, but what it's not is specifically adoption. So talk to us about the dynamics of being a foster parent, how that may differ a little bit from being an adoptive parent, and what y'all do to work with the foster parents on an ongoing basis. Great question. So um, for foster care, essentially our kids aren't adopted based on like their legal status. A lot of times they come over when they're a little bit older and to go through the legal process of adoption always may not be in their best interest at that time. We've actually had children where they didn't know if their parents were alive or dead and then years later they find out that their parents are alive um, in another country and during those situations we're able to reunify them with their um, biological parents and so if we did a formal adoption that would mess up the legal process for us to be able to reunify them later. Um, so between that and just our age groups, we focus currently on foster care, but it's very much long-term placement. Okay. Um, so of our, oh, sorry. No, yeah, go ahead. Okay, sorry. Some of our children, um, again, they may know their parents are deceased, but um, there are other siblings, we don't want that to mess up their immigration status. And so for foster families working with an agency, they have our continued support all the time. With adoption, um, it's a huge blessing, a huge opportunity to adopt a child. But after the adoption, there really is limited support from an agency, if any. Mm-hmm. With foster care, we're there 24-7. We go to the home. We provide services and um, intervention. We support the families and the youth. And so with foster care, there's this continuous support from the agency. Um, there's never that, that severance that we have with adoption. Um, and so for foster care as well, foster families are given a reimbursement to cover the cost of care. Okay. Um, and so there's costs associated with fostering. It's um, really, it's, there should be no cost for the family to accrue from that because we reimburse for, for those costs. Great. When we come back from this break, we're going to continue our conversation with the Diocese of Fort Worth International Foster Care Program. Even if you're not in the area, there's a Catholic Charities near you who's going to be involved in some way in helping to care for the orphans through adoption or foster care. Join our conversation over on Facebook.com slash Step Outside the Walls. On Twitter, the handle is at Outside the Walls. I want to know what you think. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to Outside the Walls.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. Thanks for sticking through the break. Of course, here we are in the beginning of November, National Adoption Month. And, you know, one of our calls as a people of faith is to care for the widow and orphans. Uh, In the book of James, we read that that's religion pure and undefiled, to care for the widows and orphans. So this may seem like not a religious topic like we normally bring up, but it, it is most certainly a religious topic as we talk about caring for those uh, who, need, who need it, who need to be cared for. Uh, this is something that we are urged to do by the compassion of, of Christ. And so we're talking today with some ladies from the Diocese of Fort Worth, uh, Caitlin, Caitlin, and Monique, uh, who are all in one level or another connected with the International Foster Care Program here in the Diocese of Fort Worth and serves a couple of uh, regional areas right around here. Now, if you're not here in Dallas and Fort Worth, have no fear uh, because you can connect with the Catholic Charities near you. And while they may not have a program exactly like this, uh, you'll be able to either foster or to adopt or to uh, to volunteer to care for those who are in great need of your assistance. So, ladies, again, thank you so much for being on the show today. No, thank you. Okay, so let's talk about who you're looking for. We've talked about the, the how you, as Catholic Charities, assist families through the process, uh, how you assist them financially, how you assist them uh, with training and with ongoing support. But now the question is, who are you looking for? Who are the people who are out there? What are the gifts that they have? What's their family structure like? Who are the people who can meet the need and help you right where you are? Great question. So we, uh, you know, IFC at Catholic Charities Fort Worth, we think that the support of anyone is amazing. We have great volunteer opportunities. We want mentors for our youth. Um, but when it comes to foster families, um, we are looking for families who have a heart for kids, who want to welcome a child into their home um, and meet their need like it was their own child that um, that they gave birth to, just provide that continuous support. So we license um, married couples only, and we um, we think that it matches our Catholic social teaching to be able to have um, male and female influence in the home to model the Holy Family to our kids, um, and just to give that, that stability, that picture of family life. So that's what we look for kind of first, um, we ask that our parents are at least 25 years old or older. Um, they can have kids. They can never have never had kids. They have kids who leave the nest. Um, number of kids isn't as significant. Um, and so we just look for, for families who want to love kids. Um, and I will say to you, I, I love working with families who are teachable um, and who know how parenthood can change their hearts. Um, we all know with having kids that it, it changes you in a lot of ways. And, and the same with fostering. And so I, I always um, appreciate when families are really, really wanting to learn, wanting to get feedback on how they can serve their kids. And because it is very much team effort. And so families are very teachable who um, want to serve the kids the best way possible. Um, those are those are who we're looking for. Families who love kids, who are willing to, to take them into their home. So you've got these people, they're listening to the show. They now are intrigued maybe they're not convinced but they're intrigued how do they get in touch with you 
How do they get in touch with us? Great question. So we have Monique here, who um, is our recruiter, and I believe she has, you have her information, but I can give you her phone number as well if you want to reach out um, to ask more about our program here in Fort Worth and how to become a foster parent. Um, her phone number is 817-289-0461, and that's 817-289-0461. They can also go to our website, CatholicCharitiesFortWorth.org. Great. And is there any specific place on that website where they can find the International Foster Care Program? Great question. So that would change. The website's about to change in its format. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they can search at the top. Um, we also have an email address. So it's um, ifc at ccdofw.org. Um, you can email us, and we'll um, reply answer all your questions. Excellent. Well, thank you, Caitlin and Caitlin and Monique, for coming today to talk to us about the International Foster Care Program in the Diocese of Fort Worth. Now, wherever you are, there's a way for you to get involved in the life of a child, whether it be a short-term foster care program, a long-term foster care program like we have here with the International Foster Care, or whether it be through adoption. But what we're called to do as Christians, what our faith compels us to do is to care for the least of these as if we're caring for Christ. To give to the least of these that same compassion that we would give to Christ standing right here in our midst. And so I encourage you, maybe you think it's not for you, maybe you think you're not the one, I encourage you to spend some time this week, in this beginning of International Adoption Month, spend the beginning of this week in prayer, saying, Lord, is this something you want me to do? A lot of times we think, oh, you know, I'm going to pray. Lord, I know this isn't what you want me to do. Uh, but, you know, make yourself available to the, to the voice of the Holy Spirit and see what he's calling you to do. Well, there's so much more that we could talk about, but we just we're out of time. We just don't have the time to do it. Uh, but I want you to be a part of this conversation. Come over to social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle is at outside the walls. And let's talk about what it means to care for the widow and orphans. Let's talk about what it means for us to care for those as we care for Christ, to care for the least of these, for the, for the compassion of Christ, the love of Christ, to compel us to that kind of service. So jump on over, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle is at outside the walls. And share your perspective with the rest of our Facebook community. Next week, we're going to be talking with Marlon Della Torre. He's the man behind knowingisdoing.org. Great blog there. He's also the author of Screwtape Teaches the Faith, a guide for catechists. He's got a couple of CDs with Lighthouse Communication in the works and a couple of books in the works. We're going to talk to him about one of those, about family catechesis, something that interests me quite a bit and hope will interest you as well. That's all the time we have this week. Join us on social media and on our archives, OutsideTheWalls.com. Outside the Walls is a co-production of St. Michael Radio and Breadbox Media, heard around the world on terrestrial radio, live streaming, and podcast. Until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.
Thanks for tuning in to Outside the Walls, internet exclusive segment here in National Adoption Month. We're talking today uh, on this internet exclusive in National Adoption Month with someone near and dear to my heart. Uh, Courtney grew up in an adoptive family uh, and she is my biological child. Uh, someone who I admire a great deal and who is way too old uh, for my liking, right? Uh, she turns 21 this week, and uh, that's rather frightening to me. Um, it's just rather frightening to me. But I want we're talking about adoption and what adoption has meant to her and really hoping that you will consider the possibility of whether or not God is asking you to take in a child into your home here on National Adoption Month. Now is a great time to get the ball rolling. And so we're going to ask Courtney for three of her favorite memories here on our internet-exclusive world debut of her on my radio show. Uh, And so we're going to ask, firstly, uh, for a favorite memory of you that you have of your parents. Let's see... Really, just the fact that my parents have been there through everything that I've gone through. Um, my mother, I, I seriously call her every day. I've called, I call her two or three times a day, at least, if not more. But um, really, just any time I get to spend with them is absolutely amazing, uh, especially now since I live eight hours away from them. Mm-hmm. But. Probably my favorite was most recently we went to the Alamo together and just being able to spend time with them and poking fun at each other, uh, getting to hang out in the um, in the hotel room and just talking for hours on end. I think it's really appropriate that one of your favorite memories has you remembering the Alamo. (laughs) Well, I am a Texan. Yeah. Proud of it, too. Yes, you are. All right, so let's talk. Let's move on a little bit. Let's talk about your extended family now. Tell me, uh, your your grandmother recently passed away, dear woman. Uh, tell me one of your favorite memories. You spent a lot of time. Uh, that was almost your your home away from home. I mean, uh, you get home from school, you go over, go over to her house. Uh, talk yeah. to me about a favorite memory you have of your grandmother. She used to pick me up every day for school from the time I was in the fourth grade till I got my driver's license. Mm -hmm. And so we'd get to spend that time just, you know, preparing me for the day. She'd give me like a dollar to go get ice cream or something before, or like during lunch. And I would go see her during my free blocks, my junior year. And so we'd sit and watch Fox news together and Mm -hmm. just hang out and be able to speak and just kind of, I guess she was a great mentor for me and she helped me be who I am today. She basically raised me. Yeah. And then lastly, because I, uh, because I want to know, uh, mm-hmm. frankly, uh, tell me one of your favorite memories of, uh, of our interactions while you're growing up, uh, whether it be uh, with me alone or with me in the family or with me and my parents, whatever it is, one of those memories that sticks out of a time that I came and was able to interact with you uh, as a specific uh, feature of open adoption. Uh, I have two. 
that right. I kind of want to hit if that's okay. I will let you hit too, because I have no time restrictions on this internet exclusive of our show. Uh, I'd have to say my first one would be being able to spend an entire week with you at camp. And the first time I got to meet Kristen, mm-hmm. uh, just every time I had a free blog or free time frame, or if we'd go sit together at dinners, all the bonding and the being able to spend time with you, uh, as a counselor as well was mm-hmm. fun. That one year that we got to sing together. Yeah. That was good, wasn't it? It was great. Got to bond more than I think we'd ever had. Yeah. You know, being able to to interact uh, on really a peer level, uh, being able to speak as, as a rational person to a rational person and maybe ask questions that you had all growing up and finally had the opportunity. And, yeah. Uh, and for me, it was just an opportunity to, to have that kind of conversation. I remember in the hospital when you were born and uh, reading through all the paperwork and really hating every moment of it uh, and having to sign an, an initial a million times and dreaming of that very thing, dreaming of the day when you would be old enough to come looking to find, because I didn't know what open adoption was at the time, dreaming of the day that you would be old enough to sit down with me and have a conversation like we're doing right now. And uh, that kind of uh, that kind of thing happening for the first time there at that, that night at camp, but then also in ongoing situations like this, uh, just absolutely makes my day, makes my year. It's always... I look forward to being able to talk to you. I'll send you messages every once in a while just asking questions or seeing how everybody is. And I enjoy that. But my most recent favorite memory was when you came to see me in November of last year. Giga Maggie's. Whoop. But <laughs> I'm not even supposed to do that. I'm going to have to do some push-ups or something if anybody catches me. But yeah, it was fun being able to have all of y'all over for a couple days and getting to interact with the kids in a way that hadn't been really afforded to me before, especially since, right. you know, Peter just, you know, he was still super, super, super young. Getting yeah. to hold him was great because that was the first time I've met him and the only time I've met him. Same with Catherine. Yeah, we're going to have to fix that. I know. Well, I mean, we're, we're going to have to that. fix that because now we're close. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, well, Courtney, thank you for sharing your perspective. Uh, it means a lot to me and I hope that it's enjoyable listening for everyone else to hear us banter back and forth. Uh, and thank you for being a part of, uh, ongoing part of my life and an ongoing, hopefully in the future part of this show. Yeah, well, it's definitely a pleasure. And thank you for tuning into this internet exclusive of outside the walls. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam, and you can catch us every week. Find out the station nearest you over at outside the walls.com. Until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.